I don't I don't have the rundown in front of me, just so you know. You don't need it. I mean, like you said, if you're going to... No, I don't need it. The rundown is for weak hosts. No, the rundown is... Like Dan. No, the rundown is useful. <laughs> nope. Welcome, everyone, to the Junction City Podcast. I'm your host, John Miles. With me, in the... Lair. It's the lair. The lair, yeah. I guess. I got Colby here, yeah. and we've got special guest panelist, Zachary Thomas. Good to be back. Good to have you back. Chair of the one and only Weber County Democrats. Weber County Democrats. And he's here to help us talk about this uh, tax reform that... Nobody wanted, but we're all stuck with. Yeah, I got rammed down our throats. Yeah, right. That's excellent. Um, but first, let's talk about what uh, we did this week, I guess. Anybody? What's the hap-haps? Oh, I freaking love it, I dude. hated it. You hate it? I hated how it felt coming out of my no, mouth. No, dude, it's so good. <laughs> no, you're wrong. Uh, let's see what happened. Well, I'll tell you what, what happened. Friday night, Stewart Stadium. Oh yeah. Who freaking was there? Were you there? No. Dan dude, Dan was there mm-hmm. for like maybe the first quarter. And that clown bailed. <laughs> That's right, Dan. I'm calling man. you a clown, dude. He and Cecile were there hanging out and like first quarter's over and he's like, Hey man, we, we gotta go. We, we gotta leave. And I was like, Is this guy for real? Like, bruh. And off he walked, man. dude. He missed he missed a heck of a game, dude. Heck of a game. Speak, yeah. Speaking of that, on my drive home from work, I got off like 11 o'clock and I said, you know, okay, Google on my phone. I said, no, my phone just heard that. It's like, what? Um, like, what? Yeah, what? Yeah. So I, I asked, you know, what's the Weber State football score? And Google happened to say Weber State lost 17 to 10. Oh, no. And so my whole drive home, I was like, oh, oh man. That, that kind of blows. That no, that sad. is not what happened. Yeah. And then I got home and then looked up more and I was like, wait. Weaver no. State won. Weaver We're State wins seventeen to ten. Yeah. Downs Montana. Send those bums back to Missoula. Yep, so, mm-hmm. and so exciting. that means that we're hosting the championship. No. Oh. Uh, so we're in the semifinal now. So next week the game will be in Harrisonburg. I think is where James Madison University is. We played there yeah. two years ago against JMU in the quarterfinals, and we ended up losing on a last-second field goal. They were the defending national champions yeah, at the time. That was. It was, it was a heartbreaker, yeah. Uh, close game, and we end up losing. So uh, I've, I've been putting it out there. Hashtag Weber State Revenge Tour. Beat Montana. You know, now you get it, you get another crack at JMU, and let's see if you can get revenge there. Because if you can win this weekend, you go to the national championship. Wow. And Weber cool. has – I mean, Weber has never been this far in the playoffs. But we've – I mean, uh, and so obviously that means, like, we've never even played for a national championship. I read something today that said since Coach Jay Hill has been in, we've had more playoff appearances than Weber State than had ever. before. That's right. Really? Uh, in ever. total, yeah. Jay Hill has more wins, I think, more playoff wins himself than the rest of the program ever. Wow. So now the question's going to be, what else is it going to take for Ogden to give a shit? It really is tough, yeah. man, because, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, there was a lot of push all week about, hey, get up to the game. Like, Young Automotive Group gave free tickets out. Bank of Utah gave out free yeah. tickets. I heard the Gold Foundation had free tickets. And we pushed that out on social media, talking about it all week. 
and like Stewart Stadium was not that. Full. Nobody cares. And like to be honest, like it was it was snowing. Yeah, I was gonna there. say it, it started at eight p.m. Right? Oh yeah. yeah, that stops people from going to the youth games, right? Yeah. Well, it sure doesn't. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man. Like, but we went up there and like it was it was awesome. Like that was that was a game. Like mm. if you didn't go, you missed out on quite a game. Like that was history at Stewart Stadium, and it just mm. wasn't full. Stadium wasn't full, and that's disappointing. No community pride. What'd you do, Zach? Uh, this week had several candidate recruitment meetings. Oh boy! Uh, yeah, we're getting ready for next year. We already have, you know, a lot of candidates for a ready to run. And just kind of trying to fill in some gaps now. That's nice. So super excited about that. Finals are over. So yeah, being finals able are to, over. Yeah, it was on Friday. Yep, finally, that's nice. Finally able to Congrats. focus on some more of this. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So is it? I mean, you start feeling the pressure as the 2020s, like it's yeah. a couple of weeks away. Yeah, so. absolutely. But it was really exciting with our, you know, 2020 kickoff dinner. Big success there. Oh um, yeah, Dan was here saying he had a good time. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah, a lot of energy from that. We had our holiday party last week where the kingmaker was Santa. Yeah, was, he was Santa, which was uh. great. <laughs> um, very entertaining. Uh, so yeah, no, a lot of energy right now, and we posted something about tax reform on our you know, county party Facebook, just saying, are you mad about this? If so, sign up to volunteer. And we've had six more people sign up to volunteer mm. since we posted that. Excellent. Mm. So yeah, that's excellent. Well, yeah. So uh, the first story is going to be tax reform. Let's just talk about it. Yeah. So let's see. Special session was called, was it Thursday? Yeah. Thursday was the special. And how far in advance was that called? Uh, I believe it was a week. Oh, it was. But it, people kind of knew it was coming. But they didn't release any kind of draft bill, right? So I believe there was a draft bill, but they kept making edits up until even hours before the session mm, Like started. minutes, literal minutes. Yeah, it mm. was... Like the, the final rough. bill was not public until minutes before mm. they rushed to the floor of the Senate. Yeah. Like I was so frustrated by that. And I when I emailed Alan Christensen, my state senator, about it, I said, hey, you know, this like I think you should slow down. This process is too fast. And he comes back with, well, there have been over 60 hours of public, you know, comment, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's nice, man. But like... The, the final product, the bill that we could actually debate, because like the difference between people talking into a microphone telling you what they want and don't want is very different from here's the thing that we are going to be talking about in the state legislature. Those are two different things, aren't they? Yeah. And we didn't get that. And this guy's going to sit here and tell me, hey, you've had over 60 plus hours of public comment on this thing. And so you should you should appreciate what you got. Like, no, man, yeah. you should have had this bill out there for at least a week. Like nobody nobody got to even to read what mm-hmm. what it, what was in it. Probably most legislators never even finished. Yeah, I mean, that was one thing. So uh, yeah. Nina Morris talked about that in the Junction City Forum this week about how she emailed her state representative and was like, hey, and the guy came back with, it was Cal Musselman about how, well, you know, I had time to read it a couple of times. And it was like, so did he have an advanced copy then? Like when he says he read the bill twice, like, yeah. I mean, That's either he had an advanced copy or he's a liar. Right. Or he read an old bill twice, and it wasn't what he voted on in the end. It's true, yeah. Yep. Or, yeah, he read an old bill, and then they changed it, and then he didn't. Yep. Right. You know, and so it's just right. a very frustrating process, but Republicans are going out there, and they're touting the fact, like, well, we cut taxes by $160 million. It's like, okay, you did that, but you didn't, you didn't, that money just came straight out of education, period. Yeah. Like, you just took $160 million and gave it back to the people, but right. what, what are you going to do about education? Well, we're going to deal with that later. Right. That's not responsible. So, do you know about mm-hmm. what it was like on the like how it went down on the day, as far as the session? Like, um, uh, yeah, just kind of how it went. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the day of, I mean, because the the bill started in the Senate, and there were actually two bills in the special session. 
Um, so both the House and the Senate uh, sent kind of messages to each other saying they're together and they're ready to, you know, convene Compare. the session. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, uh, but then the Senate immediately went into the process, and then the House kind of took kind of waited break for until there. waited until a bill came through. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, watch the Senate for a little bit. They you know they passed the first bill pretty quickly, and there was a lot of. Um, a fair amount of floor debate? Uh, yeah, there was a lot of debate. A lot of, you know, the Senate Democrats uh, got up. One of those amendments uh, would have raised the corporate the corporate income tax rate to kind of help ease the burden. Right. Of course, that got shot down. It got shot down. And, you know, of course, when, you know, in the House, when Representative Jen Daly-Provo uh, proposed to remove the food tax, oh, no, we can't do that. that right. That hurts us, so. One, I think one of the most frustrating things that I read from, uh, I can't remember who proposed this particular amendment, but the idea was like, well, we should remove the tax on diapers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It fails. Nope. Right. Can't do that. We wouldn't do it. Right. Like, why? Why did that fail? If we are a, a family-friendly state, why does that fail? Yep. Exactly. Because and we need to keep the corporate tax rate low. And, yeah. Yeah, we got to keep those jobs coming. <laughs> Um, so Fox 13 here just has a quick summary if this is an okay time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it says this bill includes $160 million income tax cut and income tax is a, you know, flat rate. So we all pay the same percentage. Mm-hmm. You're um, rich or poor. So uh, th- that was passed yep. under John Huntsman, right? They, they I moved so, yes. to a flat tax. Yes. Um, which by I, the way benefits yeah. rich people. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And then it implemented a sales tax on some services, including streaming media. We all watch Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's taxed. Hulu and, and Prime and Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all that. Um, college sport tickets are now taxed. That's oh. yours, oh, They are? Is that right? Yep, that was what they weren't. So now you have to pay money for... Yep, pay taxes to that. Uh, so that affects you, Colby. Dating services. That I'll take that one. That doesn't affect me. me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. The Tinder uh, tax? The Tinder tax. <laughs> the Tinder tax. That's yeah. a, oh, dude. It's crushing me terribly. <laughs> oh, um, man. So, and then ride shares, so your Uber, all that now, got a tax uh-huh. on that. Um, towing and parking lots, taxed. Uh. And then pet boarding and grooming. Hmm. Uh, so, a lot of that stuff is stuff that we all do. Oh, yeah. Um, Hairstylists, so. right? I don't know if that was. Oh, it's only pet grooming? I thought it was grooming. Pet boarding and, and grooming. But oh, I, I know that that was definitely talked about. I don't know if that was. In the, it has a nice et cetera there at the end. Um <laughs> So it restored the earned income tax credit. Um, hiking. So yeah, I heard that that went away. So they brought it back? So they took it out that the day of, and then they put it back. It got put back in. Yep. Mm. Okay. Because, yeah, that's what that was like one of the things yes. that I read on Twitter as the bill came yep. to the floor. That was, was one of the only the good IC things. The IC was gone. Yeah. I was like, what the freak? That was like one of the good things. Yeah, one of the only good things. And then, Which is a low-income tax credit, isn't it? Isn't it? Earned income tax credit is for people whose earned income is low? I believe so. It's for those people who can't itemize. Okay. Mm. Right? Not sure. On that one. But, well, no, but yeah, it's standard. designed for folks who are poor, right? Uh, yeah, okay. And then uh, hiking the sales tax on food and groceries. And I believe that's, um, you know, unprepared food. So a lot of, mm. um, you know, that food that you're buying for your family, all that that you're going to make at home, that um, the, the right. sales so tax on that was hiked pretty significantly. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you and know, then, you want to have a healthy family. You got to pay. 
Yep, and then offering prebates for low-income people on the grocery tax and adding a dependent credit, uh, raising some taxes on fuel. That hurts us more because mm. we all pay the same amount in fuel. Um, but, you know, a lot of us have to commute to our jobs and all that. Yeah, so. and that's what I've heard a lot of people complain about is, like, you know, they're saying, okay, we've cut your taxes. And right. so I, I did. The, I looked at the at the the particular math that they said. Okay, here you go. Like your my tax cut for my family for a family of four was like five hundred dollars, I think. Mm-hmm. So broken out over twelve months, it was like around forty two dollars, right? Right. And so it's like, but my gas just went up like ten cents a gallon, nine cents a gallon. Yeah, went up quite a bit. Even though voters just a few months ago on question one voted said, that down, said no, we <laughs> right, don't. Yeah, we, we don't, don't want, want that money. You know, we don't want you to raise the gas tax to go to education. Which is really weird because the legislature always listens to us. So that was kind of <laughs> confusing. When yeah, they, yeah. And so I was like thinking about. it. I was like, okay, you just gave me forty two dollars a month, but now I'm paying ten cents more a gallon. Yep, with that, and you're paying more. Plus, I'm paying grocery more tax. grocery tax. Like, did I really get a tax cut? <coughs> did I? Yep. I don't know, man. Yeah, man, absolutely. And the people benefiting, I mean, there was the dumbest argument that said, I mean, the the grocery tax, you know, that hurts rich people too. I mean, they buy more food than all of us. No. I'm like, okay, well, it's not going to make a, you know, significant difference. Um, And that's just kind of avoiding the the issue. But exactly with this where, you know, it says, you know, they voted against that uh, corporate uh, income tax they vote against that, but you know, are happy keeping the rest of this. Really makes you wonder, especially since a lot of the donors of, um, you know, those incumbents, uh, you know, a lot of those donors are with associations that don't necessarily support working people. So, right, yeah, that's I think, and that was one of the strongest points that Katie Matheson made when she was on the show two weeks ago, and I think that it it, it proved out here in this particular case, where the folks that had lobbyists got a carve out, just like she said. The folks that have a lobbyist get a carve-out, and I think we saw that here, whereas the folks who didn't get a carve-out, their services were taxed. So I'm pretty sure that there was nobody on the Hill saying, hey, don't tax you know, cosmetologists or barbers. There, there was no association up there for that, right? But right. you know, initially, there was talk of, well, what about legal services, accountants? Right. I mean, did they raise taxes on them? Nope. No. And... A lot of the legislators are lawyers, realtors, lawyers, accountants. Yeah. All you that. know what I mean? And so it's like, ah, man, and that's just a else. coincidence. And if you uh. go back and watch, uh, Representative Shirtliff had a great speech on education hmm. and why, you know, a tax cut might not be appropriate at this point, especially the way it was structured when we still have the lowest funded um, classrooms in the nation. Well, and uh, the whole calling it a tax cut is just some smoke and mirrors bs to say we don't want your money earmarked for education anymore so we're gonna do it under a disguise and disguise is tax cut yep who doesn't want a tax cut right who's gonna get mad at that yep well and i think that that was one of the most frustrating things about this is because it felt like you know in the press conference after where uh the folks from the the local press were interviewing Speaker Brad Wilson and Senate President Wayne Niederhauser. Is that right? Yes. 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 And uh, they were talking to them about this going down. That that was the thing that got emphasized the most. Like we just this was the largest tax cut in Utah state history. Right. Largest tax cut. Like mm-hmm. they were just emphasizing those words. Yeah. But like I said, when I when I did the math, I was like, man, I don't know though. 
Yeah, right. Well, because they're saying, well, but we we pre, you know, the, for the for the food tax, like we gave you one hundred twenty five dollars in advance to offset your costs throughout the year. So we did you a solid. But it was like, okay, so it's clear that that's what they're going to emphasize on the campaign trail in twenty twenty. Yep. Republicans are going to go out there and say, I just cut taxes. I just yep. cut taxes. I just cut taxes. I think the Democratic message to counter that should be, sure, you cut taxes by one hundred sixty million dollars. But that was $160 million of education funding that you cut without a plan to figure out where that was going to come. They kicked the can down the road on that yep. to the regular, to the general session. Mm-hmm. Because more than anything, they wanted to be able to go out there with something this year. And they wanted it to take effect this year. Mm-hmm. And that's why there was the rush to get this done in December without a, f- a fully formed plan, to be honest, right? Like, you know, I. I feel like genuine alarm when I take a step back and I think that I have two major taxing entities, the federal government and the state, and they have both in the last three years drastically restructured the tax code, like totally changed it. And they've told me it's a tax cut and it is really proven not to be like there's been this massive shift in the way that we collect taxes and the things that we tax in the the financial burden upon the the citizens and it has just gone by like well you know republicans are in charge so i guess that's what they get to do i'm just shocked by that well i think that's one of the most frustrating things you know for like for example i emailed both senator alan christensen and my representative senator uh, representative kyle anderson i expected to get a response from kyle anderson because i had interacted with him throughout the session i did not yeah. I did get a response from Senator Alan Christensen, and it was just Republican talking points about how this is a tax cut for 85% of Utahns, and, you know, this is good, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it's like, bro, like, you're talking, like, I was very, like, I posted in, in the Facebook or the Junction City Forum this week about that, how I was frustrated by that response because it didn't feel like the senator really wanted to talk to me. He wanted to talk at me. Right. Yeah, I saw a lot of responses from legislators this week, and it's all basically, we know what's best, guys. Just... We're fine. For those folks that are on a fixed income, mm-hmm. retirees, wounded veterans, those with a disability, their yeah. taxes just went up. Yeah. So, I mean, th- there's nothing we can do about this, right? This is done. You know, calling your legislator doesn't matter, right? Well. I guess Zach can tell us what we can do about this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I read that. So, they did not get two-thirds majority. Right. In either chamber. In either chamber. So this is subject to a potential referendum. Mm. Yes. But but it could be yes. really hard. Could be really hard, yeah. Do, do the, you know more about that? So the standards set by none other than the legislature are really, it's a really tight window to do a referendum, and it's a really high requirement. Mm. I don't know exactly uh, what that is. I know the Alliance for a Better Utah announced they are not going to do the referendum. Uh, they're going to work on other projects. Mm. Um, but yeah, to get involved, I mean, I'm going to kind of plug county party a little bit here. I mean, do that's what I expected. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, <laughs> totally fine with that. There's 10, uh, legislators in the county. Every single legislator who represents Weber County in some form in the state legislature voted for this, except Lou Shirley. Except Lou Shirley, Democrat. And she gave, you know, a very passionate speech about why. What, wait a minute, you guys. I've heard that both parties are exactly the same. <laughs> so this, Whoever told you that is a is an intellectually yeah. lazy moron. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and that's just another excuse not to vote. 
you know, a lot of these Democratic candidates that were getting ready to help next year. It's going to be freaking awesome. Uh, yeah, I would say if there was one thing last year that would have helped more, it's getting more volunteers. And that's why, you know, we do our weekly coffees, you know, we're doing stuff like that. We've done a ton of events this year to try to get more people. So, you know, we're trying to get a lot more volunteers. Oh, yeah. And we really think with that, that effort, we can push these candidates across the finish line. So if you're frustrated by this, I think the message here is, yeah. Get involved with the county party. You have to organize. You know, complaining mm-hmm. on social media is not enough. Well, anyhow, thank you, Zach, for teaching us yes. about that. Thank you. Giving us your expertise. Uh, we're going to go over a break, I guess. And when we get back, we're going to have Andy Beatles from the Weber Housing Authority talking about homelessness. Yep. Ashley Wolthius and the Elements of Real Estate are proud to support the independent local journalism of the Junction City podcast. If you're buying or selling real estate, or if you need a certified residential appraiser, contact Ashley at theelementsofrealestate.com or by calling 801-391-8503. So we're back. We're here with Andy Beatles, the Executive Director of Weber Housing Authority. Hi. And I've got Meg Sanders with me. Good times. So, Andy, uh, let's just start by talking a little about you. Like, uh, are you from the area originally? No. I'm actually from Cache Valley. Oh. But I've worked in Ogden for 11 years. I think Cache Valley counts as the area. It kind of does, yeah. Yeah. We Born breathe the same dirty air. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Ours might even be yeah, more some dirty. Days, yeah, some days Cache Valley beats out Weber. I, think, oh. I thought they did all the time. They probably do. They're number one. We're number three. Oh, well, it's yeah. good to be number three in something. That's right. <laughs> um, okay, so Weber Housing Authority, uh, what do you guys do there just kind of on a day-to-day? Yeah. So we provide um, all things housing. So we provide our, the main service that we provide is the Housing Choice Voucher Program, which provides rental subsidies for low-income families. But then we also have some home ownership programs, some home repair programs, um, and then we have some housing, um, homeless housing programs as well. So we kind of provide housing on the uh, along the continuum. So home ownership program would be like uh, helping people prepare to buy a house? Mm-hmm. Well, so we provide um, a down payment assistance program for first-time homebuyers. Oh. So, and it's a really neat program. So it's $5,000 um, to purchase your first home. And then if you live in the home for five or more years, then we gift 4000 of it, and you just have to pay wow. back 1000 upon sale of the property. Wow. Yeah, that it's is. a great program. And that's, it's like uh, income-restricted? It's for moderate income households, so most, the majority of individuals. How can people find out about those kinds of offers? Is that something that's out in the community, or is that something you have to be directed to? Um, So we do a lot of outreach to realtors and mortgage companies. And actually, we don't as much anymore, but we used to. We've provided over the years, um, like over, gosh, don't quote me on the exact statistic, but over 250 I think it's 270, but more than 250 of these grants to individuals. Um, and so in the early days, when we first started it in 2012, we start we heavily um, promoted it to those groups. And so they kind of, they tell their buyers and they tell their, those individuals that they loan to about the program hmm. and direct us to our agency. And then you said that you do uh, homeless, like placement? Uh huh. Yep. So we have what's called a street outreach program. So um, individuals that are residing in places not meant for human habitation, our outreach worker makes contact with them, and then uh, we 
work with them and get them placed into housing, not only on the streets, but also in the shelter. Um, and those are for chronically homeless individuals. So individuals that have been homeless for a year or longer, or have had four episodes of homelessness in the last three years and have a disabling condition. Hmm. Do you find that that helps people get on their feet or is it a revolving door? Nope. So what we found is, and we operate under what's called a housing first model. So the philosophy is get a person housed, get them into housing and then deal with their other issues, their mental health issues or their substance use issues. Um, but we can't address those issues until they're yeah. in a house. It makes it like that Maslow mm-hmm. hierarchy. hierarchy of needs. Yep. Yeah, making uh-huh. sure you hit that first of feeling safe and, yep, absolutely. and comfortable before you can move up. And the way I kind of explain it to people is you, um, you know, a lot of t- we hear a lot of, well, they just need to get a job, pull themselves up by the bootstraps and get a job. But you think about... Usually from people that have never uh-huh. been in that position or <laughs> close to it uh-huh. or been exposed mm-hmm. to this that situation um but what we find is when individuals don't know where they're going to get their next meal or where they're going to sleep that night or they're in danger of being attacked or um robbed the they can't just get a job it's not as easy no, as and, just and getting I a mean, job in that position of your brain probably doesn't even function at a regular level if you're right. constantly under anxiety and fear yep absolutely so well that sounds like something that is definitely probably on the rise in yeah. our area yes as a matter of fact we just put out a community assessment and strategic plan which um improve is the goal is to improve the homeless response system in Weber County. And the results of that show that there was a 48% increase in Weber County's, um, the total persons homeless from 2014 to 2018. So that's wow. a huge number, a 48% increase. Um, in Salt Lake County, um, during that same time period, there was a decrease of 13% in the total number of homeless persons. Wow. And throughout the state of Utah, there was a 6% decrease. Um, in the total number of homeless persons. There was a decrease everywhere except for Weber except County. Except for Weber County, right. Wow. Yeah. And is when you do this assessment, is there a, not necessarily a causation, but a correlation to changes done in the area? You know, of course, I'm bringing up Rio Grande. Rio Grande. Mm. I mean, you hear people constantly talk about the so shift of people and, and the closing of the road home. Yeah. And that is what people very first think. They think... Of course, that's why. And that might be part of it. But we're kind of in the in this perfect storm in in all of Utah, but in Weber County, especially where we have um, a lack of affordable housing. Um, And I kind of explain it. This is how I explain it to people. So individuals that used to qualify for homes um, are no longer qualifying as first time homebuyers, which pushes them into the higher end rental market which then is pushing those individuals into the low-income market, which is pushing those individuals um, either to double up or into homelessness. So it's this housing crisis that we're in right now is um, putting strain on all of our housing systems. That just gave me chills because uh, Senate Bill 34, Uh which is talking about putting in more low- and moderate-income housing, Mm -hmm. I'm on the the steering committee for North Ogden, and consistently, I mean, every time it was brought up, well, we don't want these Mm low-income, moderate-income renters. And what you just said to me was, this is not 
that stereotypical no. person that you're thinking of actually want, looking to rent. It's not no. low income per se. It's somebody that's mm-hmm. in that next level that's in some type of donut hole. Right. Yep, absolutely. Well, but that does, I mean, that seems to be the problem that a city council say has this requirement that they need to have so much lower income housing. Mm-hmm. But the voters honestly seem to not want it to be like too low. They don't, you know, we want it to be low enough, but not way low because that's going to bring down our values. There's definitely some type of caste system as far as as rental and when you you attach the the word low or moderate. Uh Yeah. So when I talk to public officials, I always say affordable housing. Yeah. They're more Mm -hmm. comfortable with affordable versus low income housing. Right. Well, and I'm curious though, because you do hear a lot about affordable housing, but this increase, I mean, it's not like we have our uh, housing affordability has been shrinking faster than any of the rest of the state, right? right. Like that can't not a- account for this much of a growth. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And um, the way that we track our homeless is through the Homeless Management Information System, and it's a statewide system. And just recently they started, they added in um, previous zip code. So it's only been in the last little while that we can even track where they came from. But, um, and so some of them are coming from out of state. Some of them are coming from different counties. Um, but the majority are still from here, from Weaver County. And I think that's, to me, one of the most um, important things to remember when you discuss the homeless is that they are people. Yes. They're people in your community. Mm-hmm. They're people that you know that lost a paycheck that Mm -hmm. that quickly down on their luck and for many people out there that can be you in no time at all right well yeah you've got to be talking to all those people right you've got to hear a hundred stories like that yep yep every day huh (laughs) yeah um so uh i'm just looking at this study some more so we you found that homelessness went up Uh and that um I see that it's uh, there's seventy percent of the population is adults without children, mm-hmm. single, unaccompanied individuals. Yep. And is that attributed a lot to? Are you finding mental health? Yeah, mental health um, and substance use. Now there's there's a few different categories of homeless. You know, there's the situationally homeless, where just like you said, they've lost. I mean, they lost a job, and now they've been evicted, and they're on the streets. For the most part, those individuals can self-resolve. They're able to solve their homeless issues, maybe with just a deposit help, or sometimes they don't even need a deposit help. Sometimes they, um, you know, they they're able to do it on their own. But then there, this population that that we work with, the population that we work with, is the chronically homeless. So individuals that have been on the streets for a really long time, and usually that is attributed either to mental illness or substance use issues, or both. A lot of times, both. Well, and that makes me curious about. You're funding. You're not a, are you a government agency? No. So we are governed by a board, but we receive administrative support from Weber County. So um, they, we contract with them for administrative support, but we are actually governed by a board. So they don't consider us a department of Weber County. Mm. So people like could donate to you? Yeah, we do have a 501c3 arm. Yeah. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you want me to tell you how we came about the plan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what happened was, and this was at the height of Rio Grande, um, and our service, all of our service providers were seeing a huge influx of homeless individuals, but we had no data to back that up. Um, we were just seeing, you know, our, our programs were at capacity and, and then they, they were continuing to um, 
it, it, additional people were continuing to come to our programs for services. And so um, we just felt as service providers, we needed to do something. We needed to have something in place so that we didn't end up in the same situation that Salt Lake is in. We wanted to be preventive in our in our strategies and we wanted to be strategic in what we were doing. Um, you know, we're kind of siloed um, and we get working and we're, you know, doing our day to day and um, sometimes forget that we need to be coordinating a little bit better. So we wanted to have um, a strategic plan that covered all aspects of homelessness so that we could um, address the issue um, collectively and together. And so we got together and kind of said, okay, now what do we do? <laughs> and we really didn't know what what to do. So we hired um, Ashley Barker Tillman, who used to work for the State Homeless Services Office and is just brilliant. Um, we hired her to come in and um, and write this plan. And we got some fun we got some funding from the uh, Weber County Homeless Trust Fund. And um, and it's been about a year and a half in the making. So the plan came out in May. And then, and since then, we've just been working to kind of get things implemented. We haven't. We've hired a homeless. The number one, one of the number one things was to hire a homeless systems coordinator, and we just hired one. Um, her name's Danielle, and she does work for the county. Mm. She's brand new. We're really excited to have her, and she's got a lot of work ahead of her. Um, but that's the first thing that we. So she's a homeless systems coordinator. Mm -hmm. That's like um, helping them navigate government bureaucracy. Is that kind of what it is? No, so she's not going to be working with homeless individuals. She's just going to be working with organizations. So at mm. a systemic level versus um, oh, interesting. An individual level. So yeah. the, the, the plan was to kind of count up uh -huh. the chronically homeless and then from there try to figure out what program to put them underneath to make sure they got coverage or no the plan was to restructure our entire homeless response system so not necessarily guiding an individual to where they need to go per se but just helping us as a as a system get organized and get on the same page so that if a homeless person comes to my agency they're getting the same information and being admitted to the same programs as if they go to the lantern house or to the ogden rescue mission or to you know to any of our homeless service yeah, providers. i see that that's mm. brilliant I yeah yeah to make sure that you're all on the same page instead yeah. of someone saying go here and they go there and they go no you're supposed to oh, go yeah. here yeah and and that's that's the most frustrating thing i can imagine as a homeless individual being shuffled from agency to agency um, and then saying, oh, no, 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 you need to go to this agency or you need to go here. And this agency has these requirements, but this one has these requirements. Mm -hmm. um, we're just trying to be unified in, in what we're doing. Well, and that's something I've heard in the past that uh, there's a privacy concern. Say you want to share information between you. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily. So there's got to be some way to like get that authorized, I suppose. Yeah. And um, have you guys heard about, have you guys heard of the Unite Us platform? Yes, that just started. Just brand new. Yeah. Uh -huh. So that's one way that we're addressing it. And then also in the homeless management information system, there is uh, a sharing um, component in that. We've never utilized it in the past, but I think it's something that maybe we're going to start utilizing because in the HMIS system, they all they have to sign a consent before you can enter their information before you can work with them they have to sign that consent I and see. then so we already have already have that in place and then we can do the referral in the hmis system so we're kind of working so unite us is somebody who kind of provides that database that yeah. data link mm -hmm. i see that's what we're using right now right right yeah and that's been a great resource so how does this all work with the intergenerational poverty i'm 
I mean, an article just came out that said, again, Weaver County's rate is astronomical compared to the rest of the state. And then now we've got, um, remember, what's the nice woman's name? Melissa, Melissa. Freaking. Yeah. Freaking. Now yeah. she's uh-huh. overseeing putting that together yep. and all mm-hmm. that. So do you work closely with them? Uh-huh. And actually, Danielle is with the Center of Excellence. She's under, this, under Melissa at the Center of Excellence. Got it. Oh. I mean, that's yeah. just, that just is <laughs> good bureaucracy. Oh, yeah. That sounds <laughs> like there's some... Weber County has so many great things that that are happening right now. There are so many really good strategic things that have initiatives, I should say, that have never been in place before. What's lit the fire under their ass? I mean, I what's know. made them be like, okay, we've got to figure out how well, to help these people. Uh, that's what I was going to say, because your Weber Housing Authority, that's older than this intergenerational poverty initiative, right? Right. So do you know what sparked the Weber Housing Authority? Yeah, well... Um, so our history in 2008, Commissioner Jan Zagmeister um, formally made a request to have the Weber and the Ogden Housing Authority separated. Um, previously, the Weber Housing Authority had been administered by the Ogden Housing Authority. And then at that time, she asked that they be separated um, because as a commissioner, she wanted to take s- strategic steps um, and specifically focus on homelessness, actually. Hmm. That's cool. I agree. This is like a really cool thing that I didn't realize the county was doing. So oh, yeah. particularly when you hear numbers like 48% rise, right. I mean, that's, you got to do something before it. And I think truthfully, um, that's what it came down to. You know, we've never had good data. Um, we do the point in time count every year and we, you know, we have those numbers and I'll kind of explain what that is if you'd like, but we get the point in time count numbers, um, but until we had somebody to say, this is what's happening with the, this data. We had the numbers, but we didn't know what that what those numbers meant. And until we had, you know, an analyst come in and, and take a look and tell us what those numbers meant, nobody really knew the freaking the gravity, I know, of the problem. <laughs> so now that we have those numbers, I mean, our political leaders are saying, okay, what, what do we need to do to, to address this? Well, and, and then to that, you've sort of put together a, a roadmap going forward, right? Yes, Yep. Do you want me to talk a little bit yeah, about that? Yeah, let's hear about that. Okay, so the first thing was is to restructure our local homeless coordinating committee. So all of the service providers get together at this local homeless coordinating committee, and um, what the first recommendation is to re- get that reorganized. And mm. then the next one was to hire a systems coordinator, which, check, we've done that. And then um, create a data quality plan. I think I mentioned a little bit about data, but we, in Weber County, don't have accurate data, and we don't have data that we know we don't know what our data means Hmm. um and so we need to uh, create a data quality plan Hmm. and then um we need to identify the high priority gaps uh and then work with the state to localize data you can see that data is kind of a focus on this and so this uh community committee is fairly new no this is a committee that's been around for probably 14 maybe 15 years oh so it's been around for a long time one of the issues is is that um, the chair of this group is chaired by an elective official, elected official. So through the years, as we've had you know some really strong elected officials and then some kind of weak elected officials, um, the participation and the momentum of this group have kind of ebbed and flowed. Oh, right? sure. Which is which is a problem. It's a problem for our uh, service providers, and so that's another reason that we decided that we needed to have something in place so that we could still 
um, be a strong <laughs> system and make progress with or without an elected official support. Oh yeah, yeah, kind of codify or make some bylaws or whatever. Right. Uh huh. Does the does the commission does it sort of turn over the yes. membership as uh-huh. new uh, county commissioners come in or whatever? Yep. So as a new, uh, yeah, as they're reelected, they're just kind of assigned to mm-hmm. it based on their portfolio. Um, yeah, and so we don't really know who we're going to get as as the elections. Right. And is I think that's like that's kind of scary. I mean, any time that somebody's bored or anything is dependent on who's elected, I mean, I think that that can be pretty dicey because you're not sure if somebody gives a shit right. about the homeless people. Absolutely. Yeah, there needs to be some continuity, like uh, a chair of the committee. Yeah, or something just to make sure of... that this is something that's continue. I mean, as yeah. you people are working so hard to get this data yeah. together, that there's somebody that's willing to put the action in place. Uh-huh. Right. So the question I had is, where are the homeless in Weber County? So the majority of the homeless individuals are at the shelter. So at the Lantern House and then also, well, so we have uh, five shelters here in Weber County. We have um, the Lantern House is our largest. And then we have the Ogden Rescue Mission. Um, We have YCC, which is the domestic violence shelter. And then we have Youth Future Shelter, which is our youth homeless shelter. And then we have Family Promise, which is also considered a shelter. So we have five. I know that's in North Ogden. And Mm -hmm. I know that it's become hugely important in that area. I mean, every time right. they talk about re-upping the contract without fail, mm-hmm. my, ne- my nemesis backs it, oh. you know, <laughs> but I do appreciate that. Yeah. It is important. Absolutely. Um, I was thinking, so I started thinking about youth futures. I think they do that overnight in the Weber State parking lot yes. where you have to sleep uh-huh. overnight. That was a really cool thing. Yeah. Um, but you were, j- oh, my stupid question is maybe this raising the homelessness just that we have really appealing places for homeless people to sleep no <laughs> i mean <laughs> no seems like I a good place to so. be homeless <laughs> no a good frigid, <laughs> frigid octon a good place to be homeless would be hawaii yeah I think. that's a good point <laughs> yeah all right <laughs> somewhere <Yeah>. toasty <laughs> okay that brings me to the question though so working in news media for a long time that was my background we got consistent calls from the Olympics on whenever there's an event that areas like Salt Lake County, Weber County are busing their homeless somewhere else. Mm. Have you ever found that to be something that is happening? There was just an article put out, you know, in New York, um, that they were shipping their homeless, giving individuals bus tickets to go wherever, you know? Um, and yeah, it's definitely an issue. I mean, in a few years ago, it is, it's not an urban legend. It's, no, it does happen. It does happen. Yeah, it does happen. I mean, not we're not, I don't think in hordes or anything, but but it does happen. Um, but like I said, the majority of individuals are, you know, and Weber County is in a unique position because we are the furthest north homeless shelter. So we're covering wow. from, you know, Cash yeah. and Box Elder. We're covering Davis. We're covering all of northern Utah. So if if individuals do, I mean, in Cash Valley, if they have a homeless individual, because they don't have resources up there, they send them down here. So, I mean, it is happening. Same in Davis. You know, if they have homeless individuals, they ship them up to, um, up to the Lantern House for services. So, yeah, absolutely. And your group happen. is figuring out a way to give them a place to live. So that's definitely commendable. That's pretty awesome. Well, and I feel like it's not even giving them a place to live. It's like, we're going to do that and then help them be successful after it. Right. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of times I see on Facebook, 
people that say, I need a voucher. I need a single mom, three kids. I'm out. Mm -hmm. I have nowhere to go. What do I do? Mm -hmm. What do you say to that mom that's scurrying to find somewhere to live? So let me, I'll just start by kind of explaining our, our process. So we have, we utilize what's called a SPADAT. So it's the service prioritization decision assistance tool. And it's an I assessment. I like SPADAT better. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Yeah. SPADAT. Go yeah. with that. <laughs> <laughs> so we utilize the SPADAT and it helps us assess where an individual is. It gives us a score um, and it's an acuity, acuity score based on vulnerability. Um, and so from that assessment, we can kind of identify what level of intervention is would be best suited for this household. So say we had a mother and, and say we just had that information that you just gave me. Um, based on that and based on their score, we could say all this woman needs is deposit assistance. She's work eligible. Um, she can work. Maybe she just lost her job. Um, all she needs is a deposit and then she'll be good to go. Now, if she does have um, you know, other barriers in play, you know, if she does have other barriers, maybe she has some mental health issues or whatever it might be. Um, we can offer a different level of intervention, which would be a deposit and in the form of rapid rehousing. So it would be a deposit and maybe up to six months rent. Mm -hmm. And then she would be self-sufficient from there. Or maybe she has a severe disability and she's chronic. Maybe this is the sixth time she's been evicted. Um, and then we can offer her case management, um, coupled with rental assistance in order for her to be successful, you know, and wrap the kid, you know, provide those supportive services so that the family um, can maintain their self-sufficiency. So it just depends on the family and on their assessment score. Um, but I feel like in Weber County, we do a really good job of making sure that we're not, it's called creaming, that we're not just picking the people that we feel like will be the best in our programs, mm. that we're offering equal opportunity to all homeless individuals across the spectrum. Yeah. Right. Right, yeah. that broad scope of services. That's really good. Yeah. Now, we used to cream, and I'm going to be honest with you, it was a dream for our programs <laughs> because we were helping individuals maybe that didn't really need it, um, but that were really, really easy. We weren't helping hard individuals. These were so individuals. boost that oh. success rate right. or whatever. It looked really were, yeah. great. It looked, it looked really great because they weren't difficult. They didn't have high barriers, and they were already self-sufficient. These are probably individuals that would have resolved their own self-sufficiency had it not been for our intervention and we kind of enabled them a yeah. little bit. Hmm. So now that we are utilizing um, the SPDAT, and just so you know, it's a community-wide, uh, all the homeless service providers utilize this so that, like I said, everybody has an equal opportunity and then we have a community waiting list. So if I have an opening on, opening on my program and the, and the next person on the list, um, you know, meets the criteria, then we put them in my program. It's just so amazing. And then you finally arrive at this idea of everybody on the same page. You know, I'm yeah. you think about law enforcement and how they finally, oh, yeah. everybody started connecting and talking so that you can make sure not to equate what you're doing to that, but just everybody on the same page mm -hmm. is definitely a better way to get success at your mm. goal. Oh yeah. And this is a total side note, but the um, Ogden City Police Department just hired a homeless outreach worker. Oh, really? Yes. yes that. Mm -hmm. We need to talk to that person. You do. Her well, yeah, because, I mean, that could kind of go both ways, couldn't it? It could. Yes. Um, and there have been issues, you know, they have the whole, they have a whole, the, they have a whole team down in Salt Lake that assists with the Operation Rio Grande. Mm. Um, but I think they found the perfect person for this oh. job. And so I think that. I think she's going to be great. She was just about to release the name. Can you release <laughs> the name? I can. Okay. It's Anna Davidson. She's the owner of Jesse Jeans. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. 
Okay, mm -hmm. yeah, that's awesome. And she's awesome. a huge homeless advocate. Yes, she is. She, I, so it's she not an officer. She serves them at her uh -huh. at her restaurant. Yeah. So it's an it's an outreach. Uh, mm -hmm. Homeless outreach coordinator. Oh, a coordinator. Right, uh -huh. right. Okay. Yep. Uh, so she's kind of be the link between the Ogden City Police Department and the homeless services. Well, definitely understands their day to day battle that they have. Oh to yeah. Do to survive through yeah well and they have a team you know their community policing team who we adore we absolutely love their community policing team but they um they're still officers and are there's such a distrust between our homeless yeah individuals and are in the in law enforcement right um just given their history and so she can act as a you know as a go-between go yeah, mediator in that which oh, is yeah. so exciting. So as an average community person, what can I do to make sure that this plan is successful or uh, any way to help that the Weber Housing Authority can make sure So we during this time? So we are gearing up right now for our, our point-in-time count. Yes. <laughs> yes, let's hear more about this. Yeah. So what this is is this is um, our annual count of homeless individuals. So there's two parts to this. Um, one part takes place at the homeless shelter, and then the other part, the part that we're in charge of, um, takes place on the streets. So what we're trying to do is, and we do it on the coldest day of the year, um, in an effort to count those individuals that truly have nowhere else to go. Um and they're easiest to count in the shelter. So we're hoping that the majority of them are in shelter or, you know, or with friends. But then we go out and we canvass the streets of Weber County and try and find those individuals that are sleeping in their cars or uh, under camping or, you know, under benches or uh, on sidewalks, you know, places like that. Um, mm. and, and trying to get a good census of the homeless population so if you're interested we are looking for volunteers yeah. right now yes me too yes. this is awesome so the it is from four to six in the morning so it's super early in the morning and that's oh. strategic i know <laughs> john is sitting here with four, right four right to now. six a.m on the coldest night of yes. the year huh yes all right <laughs> It's dedication, but we do that strategically. So this is a very transient population. And so we're trying to catch them in their camps. Uh -huh. So we're trying to catch them before they wake up and, you know, and I'm sure that you guys are aware, but there's um, an ordinance in Ogden city that you are arrested if you're camp found yeah. camping. So they try and get off the streets as quickly as they can so that they're not, um, you know, found and ticketed. Uh -huh. um, so Cause that's going to solve so many problems. Yeah. Let me add a fine on <laughs> Right. Oh, wow. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so you're talking about like they're hiding in some clearing somewhere and uh -huh. you are walking into that clearing in like the wee hours of the morning. You're yes. perfect for it, John. Yeah. And waking them up. Yeah. Like waking saying, them up. Hey guys. Yeah. Is this all of you? I've, <laughs> I've counted everyone here. That's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> so it's an actual survey. We're not just getting a head count. So we're actually surveying the individuals. And our outreach worker, we have a great outreach team. We partner with Youth Future Shelter and do outreach with between the two of us. And, um, and we're notifying our homeless individuals right now. Like, hey, these are the days of the point in time count. We'd love for you, to you, know, for you to participate. We have some hygiene kits and some gift cards if you'll take our survey. So we're kind of getting the word out now so that they're not. So when we do wake them up at four in the morning, <laughs> you know, they don't And those upset. of you <laughs> at home um, yeah. listening, Andy is a petite woman <laughs> who, who looks just very kind. Right. And at four in the morning, she's going to be <laughs> trekking through Ogden on the coldest day of the year. Right. Yep. That's intimidating. 
It's not. It's not as bad as it sounds. You know, I so this is actually my eleventh year doing it, wow. and um, we've never knock on wood. We've never had any incidents. I'm going. I'm yeah. down. I am too. I'm down. It's worth. It is it's worth the so, sacrifice. Yes, it is. It is. You know, and I'll share some. It's. It's amazing. Last year, um, we found an individual out by the train tracks that um, was dying of an overdose, mm. and it was so cold, and he was freezing to death. And had it not been for this outreach team, he oh, would probably be dead. Oh, that poor baby. Uh huh. Oh, and so, God. I mean, that makes me a little more hesitant, but I'm still in. <laughs> <laughs> and just so you know, the Ogden City um, Community Policing Team does go out with us, so we have officers, and the and we're, they're so great. The Weber County and Ogden City um, Police are aware, and so they're you know they're watching out for us. Yeah, we have. Um, you, sorry, go ahead. Dispatch on, is on call, so they kind of know that we're out there and are aware of what's going on. Do you get people running away when they see you coming up? No, not usually. Y- usually they... They see the police? No, no, no. Okay, so that's another thing. When the police first said we would be happy to participate, they didn't say it in those words, but I kind of begged and said we'd love for you to participate. And they said, <laughs> okay, okay, I guess we if we have to. Um, it wouldn't work if they were in their uniforms. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, there's just this that terrible mistrust. Yeah. yeah. And so they are in their street clothes um, and they have agreed not to arrest anyone that, you know, during those hours, which is so great because Mm -hmm. that is their job. Um, And so they are so helpful. Also, it was a game changer when they started participating because this is something that, I mean, they're arresting people on a regular basis. They know where some of the camps are that we don't know. The insider information there. Okay. I can see that. So you can make sure to get your accurate count. uh And, um, and the officers kind of stand back so that they're not recognized. So they are not, you know, our homeless individuals are not intimidated, but the homeless individuals do know, um, the majority of us. So they are not nervous about it. Are there people that you've seen every year who are like regularly sleeping outside on this night? Yep. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, that said, what, what does your work mean to you? <laughs> That's a good question. But I love my job. I do. I do love the housing aspect, and I love that um, that we do live in an area where it is possible for you know our these citizens that our people as well, just like you said, to be able to get into housing and then to address their needs and be able to help them strive towards self-sufficiency that's very it's a very rewarding job hmm. i'll tell you one story really quick i thought of a really good one on the <laughs> way over here if it's gonna make me cry I'm <laughs> <laughs> well i'm not a great storyteller so it probably okay. won't make you cry <laughs> but we had um a woman um and she uh was a severe alcoholic and she was a nightmare she spit on me actually <laughs> oh my goodness so she i mean just very when what, she, are you trying to help me I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly how it went to. <laughs> so, um, I mean, just very belligerent when she was intoxicated, which was, I mean, all of the time. I never saw her not intoxicated. And um, we housed her and she moved her abusive boyfriend in and he beat the crap out of her and destroyed the apartment. And the landlord said, get him out of here. So we moved her out. Um, she was ba- she was homeless again until we found her another place. Same thing happened there. Um, anyway, and I think it was the fourth time that we housed her. Um, and I can see like, as I, as I tell this story, like, why would you do that? Why would you house this woman four times? Then she screws it up four times. There are probably more deserving people. Um, but it was on the fourth time that she, uh, stayed housed and that she remained housed and, um, stopped 
drinking mouthwash to get drunk and stopped, Mm. um, you know, these very um, destructive self-harm behaviors that she was engaged in um, and was actually able to find peace, reconnect with her family. And she recently passed away, um, which was really, it it was sad for all of us. All of our service providers were just devastated by this because at the end of her life, we had just all developed this very close relationship with her. Um, but she was able to die with dignity, you know, in a home, um, not on the streets, which we feared. I mean, and, and this is a woman that had been homeless for, uh, I mean, a good 20 years at least. Um, well, and if she's that belligerent and I mean, I assume if she's not in a home, then she's just being that belligerent out to everyone out in public, right? Oh yeah. Well, and actually the Ogden city police department thought she, when we housed her, they thought she had passed away. Because they, and they said, um, you know, we, we haven't seen her for, (laughs) we haven't seen her for years. What happened? Um, and the cost of keeping an individual on the streets is three times more expensive than putting an individual into housing. Boom. Mm. Yeah. Boom. Right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so expensive. You want a reason to support. Yeah. Right there is your fiscal reason. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yep. And, and you think about. I mean, the, po- the emergency services that they're engaged in, the jail services. I mean, these are individuals that are in and constantly in and out of jail. Right. Um, these are individuals that are going to the emergency room and not to a doctor. And just just high, we call them high utilizers of services. Right. Right. It's like, I mean, this is an insensitive way to say it. But if they were not a burden on our social systems, they would be a burden on our judicial systems and our oh, emergency yeah. systems. Oh, yeah. Yep, exactly. And and more of a burden. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and then and then you can get them into housing, and then a case manager can drive them to the doctor and can take them to the courts to get their court issues resolved rather than letting them turn into warrants well, and, and then get arrested. So much with addiction and mental health, just even that first step of reaching out is so hard for oh, yeah. someone who isn't well. Uh-huh. It's so hard to even call and make a doctor's appointment let alone get there yeah right so to be able to put yourself into this system as much as so many people probably abhor that idea oh yeah you at least have someone that can take that step because they are well right right and i think that is so key and that's something that they can't yeah just like you said cannot they cannot address that until they're in a stable environment Hmm. i'm curious do uh like do courts redirect people to you sometimes anything like that so recently, they at the homeless shelter at the Lantern House, they do a homeless um, court, um, and so, which is really kind of game changing as well. Uh-huh. It's such a great philosophy. Um, who's who's conducting the court? Oh, and I can't tell you that. I, I I'm picturing like a jury of homeless men. <laughs> no, no, no. So a judge goes down to the homeless shelter and then addresses. <laughs> addresses their court issues um but you think of a homeless person that has no way to get to the court to address their you know court fine you know their court issues right and then they have no money so then you're going to give them you know a 650 dollar fee for you know and how are they going to pay that there's no way they can pay that so then they just get arrested again it's just this cycle Mm -hmm. but if they can meet with a judge that can say okay given your situation you have to do community service and you know, whatever the remediation might be, mm-hmm. but they can address that in a more humane way than the general public, which, 
if you or I got arrested, we would just go and pay our fine and it would be fine or set up payments or something. But right. that's not a possibility for a lot of our homeless folks. Even getting to the court is an issue. So right. that has been, that's been really, really, really helpful huh. in our homeless systems. Well, it makes me happy. So <laughs> me too. It, that there's somebody out there that cares. So did you tell us when the count is? Do you know the date for that yet? Yes. The point in time count is January 22nd. So what we do is we do it three mornings in a row. So we do, uh, and we're asking John, them oh three boy. mornings this in a row. This commitment just mornings. keeps going up yeah. and up. <laughs> I'm still in. I'm still in. They're like, you have to wear a Speedo. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You have to do an ice bath and then I, go out. I actually heard about this earlier and i've already cleared it with the wife this is happening oh yay so it's the 23rd 24th and 25th of january but we're asking the the individuals where they slept on the night of the 22nd wednesday the 22nd um and uh we do that on three nights just so that we can make sure that we catch every single and how do they volunteer how do you want people to we have a wufu link a wufu wufu I don't even, man, I just suddenly feel old. Is this something new and cool? (laughs) I don't think so, (laughs) but maybe I no, I doubt it. Um, but it's just a data. I mean, it just gives us the information and then, okay, we have all the information, but then we can shoot out a mass email and say, come to the volunteer training on Tuesday, but I'm training too. Yep. There's a volunteer training. training. All right. Yeah. There's some four to 6 a.m. (laughs) no we won't make you come early (laughs) um the volunteer training though uh we you know we just go over safety issues we we don't want i mean our number one concern is safety and we don't want anybody so we just go over what Mm. we just go over those kinds of things well it sounds like something that you can actually do in the community so i'm game yeah seriously yeah this is i did not know about this organization at all and it is (laughs) seriously amazing i really appreciate you coming to tell us oh anytime I'm, thanks for having me. It was way fun. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Do you want me to give you my opinion on House Bill 34? Oh, oh yeah. Yes, I definitely, okay. I want to hear what yeah. you think and if it can get any better. Yes, <laughs> it definitely can get better. Um, but it's a start. So that's that's my opinion is anything is better than nothing. And up to this point, we've had nothing as far as housing affordability goes. Mm. Um, and right now we are, like I said, we are in a housing crisis um, and especially an affordable housing crisis. You know, I just read a statistic that in the next five years, um, the state of Utah will be 250,000 units short of the population demand. Wow. And so it's all levels of housing that we need to be addressing, not just low income, but given my profession, especially <laughs> low income. Mm-hmm. Um, and so House Bill... Affordable, Andy. Affordable. Excuse me. Affordable. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Thank <man>. you. <laughs> So we, House Bill 34 at least is a start and at least it's getting communities talking about this, which in the past they've never, they've always said it's Ogden's problem or it's the county's problem or, you know, they they try and pass the blame. It definitely, you know, being from North Ogden and you go through the list. So Senate Bill 34 requires communities to look into an affordable, uh, moderate income housing plan, Mm -hmm. not necessarily enact the plan. But have something in place, have something in place and how you can address these needs in your community. And it gives Mm -hmm. you a list of choices of what you can do. Yep. And so a place like North Ogden, 
you know, you go through the list and there's not a lot of options that we have. Yeah. There's really not because a lot of it has to do with uh, mass transit and putting things near mass transit. Yeah. And North Ogden doesn't, it doesn't have any. It's not applicable. But it made us all look at it. And actually, we did make changes in North Ogden. Mother-in-law apartments are now allowed. There's yeah. discussions about Airbnbs, VRBOs, mm-hmm. um, studio apartments, hmm. things like that. There's even discussion in, you know, if you have a... a apartment complex going up talking to the developer and saying would you be willing to set aside yes a few units to help low to moderate income housing and that is huge and that is a conversation that was not happening in the past so it's it's a big deal that that's happening now as far as the carrot um for this and they're what they're doing is they're holding transportation dollars as an incentive to get this done funds Uh uh-huh yep the Mm. tiff funds um i don't think it's enough for i don't think so either I don't think it's going to be enough to make any lasting change, but we'll take what we can get for right now, and um, and at least we're talking about it. Yeah, yeah. North Ogden's never applied mm-hmm. for TIF funds. Right, and a lot of communities are in that same place. Yeah. Or the other thing that I've heard is we don't get enough TIF dollars to make it worth our time. Worth it, yeah. But That's T-I-F-F, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Different than tax increment financing. Um, yeah, different. Senator Andrag said that he isn't done with yeah. the bill, so I'll be... I won't be surprised when it comes back up in this session, if at all, in mm-hmm. that working session. Yeah. So there's a lot of lobbyist groups working on it, too, from both sides of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Yep. Oh, yeah. And, and there's both. I mean, there's, um, yeah, there's people saying, well, how do you expect us to do this with no funding? And then, you know, so, I mean, there's there's arguments for both. But I, I think something is better than nothing. Yeah, we had a whole group of people from a bunch of different backgrounds really trying to figure out. And I loved it is... You know, we're putting the plan in place, and this gentleman across from me says, so are we really going to do this, or are we just sitting here wasting our time? And everybody at that table is like, no, we really want to do this. We yeah. really want to find a way yeah. to make this work. To address this need. Because mm. it's real. Yeah. Democrat, Republican, it doesn't matter. There is a housing crisis. Yes, housing mm. is a bipartisan need. Um, you know, and, and one of the things is I kind of talk about affordable housing, Um to to individuals is think about your children and think about where you would like your children to live when they um you know when they can have their own place if we continue the way that we're going there's no way that they'll be able to live anywhere near where you're living it just will not be a possibility we need to be thinking about the future and about um our future the way that the way that we're planning for our future and for the future housing needs of those that um, that we'd like to live in our community. So just one last question. Sorry, I don't know if you're trying to wrap up. No, go ahead. No, you're good. Um, a person in need mm-hmm. that needs some type of assistance, do they just come to your building? Yeah. Yep. Just walk and in. we have applications for everything, and we can help them with whatever they... How quick is the turnaround on getting help? So it just depends on the program. But our regular, our Housing Choice Voucher program, which is our largest and probably most in-need program, it's a five-year waiting list. Wow. wow. Yeah. How about felons? So individual, it well, it depends on, you know, if they're homeless or what the issue is. But um, felons face a different, they have a different set of barriers than you know, than just anybody else. But, um, felony, um, your felony has to be four years or older. Um, and where our waiting list is five years, we just put them on the waiting list and then they meet that requirement once their name comes to the top of the list. So if somebody needs housing now, they're still just got to go to Lantern House. So we have an emergency rental assistance program where we can help somebody that's just, you know, lost a job or, 
whatever the situation might be and whatever the emergency is. And we can help with $500 just to help get. I think that's so key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many people on there. So emergency $500 mm-hmm. can just do the red tape and yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's a one-time $500. Yep. One time yeah. just, yeah. Just to help keep, to help, to help avoid to get somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. To okay. keep them in their housing. Yeah. So th- we have that and that sometimes helps, but the majority of individuals that are applying need ongoing rental assistance. Um, and that's the program that takes five years. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. That's tough. It is so frustrating. And I wish that there were more options for ongoing rental assistance. Is there a way to see that politically, like start demanding? So one of the things they're looking at right now, um, down at the legislature is a statewide voucher program. Hmm. Now they're still there. It's just in the beginning talking phases, but, um, so we don't know exactly what that will look like, but that they're talking about, um, you know, they had this, uh, small task force that was, and housing authorities got together and other housing officials on what, you know, what that would look like. Um, and so there are some populations like registered sex offenders that none of us can ever, we, we can't help and undocumented citizens, we can never help undocumented citizens. Mm. And so this state voucher funding may be able to help those populations, but then also this very, very extremely low, um, popu- uh, low income individuals that are the lowest of the low, um, helping those individuals get into housing and having a statewide program that could facil- facilitate that, helping some of those individuals. So they're talking about that right now in hmm. the legislature. Obviously, it's just talk, so yeah. who knows what will happen, but but Man, at least we're talking about it. I got to say, you know your stuff. Right, that's what I was going to say. Stats and You've got to be our resident homelessness expert. I'm just <laughs> impressed what's in that head. So. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, yeah. It's, it's scary. I have all this useless housing knowledge. No, it seems like you're doing good <laughs> stuff with it. Thank you. Yeah. Hopefully things are moving in the right direction. Well, thank you so much for all the You're information. Welcome. Hey, for coming thank and sharing you for it having with me. Us. And thank you for, I mean, this is such an important topic. And so thank you for bringing light to it. Yeah, yes. we'll get it out there. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Thanks. Thank you, Meg. Yeah, good times. Okay, we'll uh, go to break. Ashley Wolfius and the Elements of Real Estate are proud to support the independent local journalism of the Junction City podcast. If you're buying or selling real estate, or if you need a certified residential appraiser, contact Ashley at theelementsofrealestate.com or by calling 801-391-8503. Welcome back. Uh, so we're going to do uh, events. We're going to do pinkies up, thumbs down. Uh, we got a poll this week. And we got a poll. All right. Then we'll get out of here. So... Uh, events, Colby, take us through the events. Okay, you want to do events first? So, um, so this Saturday, December twenty-first, uh, there's the weekly uh, county party meetup, the Dems Coffee. That's nine thirty a.m. Zach, where's it going to be this time? Yeah. So this week it's at a a place in Roy. It's called As Above, So Below, fifty-nine seventy-eight yeah, South, nineteen right hundred West. It's right by the liquor store huh. in Roy. Great. Yeah. So if you need to stop it's there a after, shop? And then, um, so I don't know if it's specifically coffee. I haven't been there before, but they are opening. Um, just for our group at 9.30. Oh, so nice. it'll be a private Dems only oh, man. Uh, thing. So definitely check on Facebook um, every week for our coffee location. Okay, that, and that on address our website. one more time was 50... Yeah, 5978 South, 1900 West in Roy. Yeah, and like I said, that's right, right in front of the liquor store in Roy. You make everyone check their cell phones when they go in, right? Because you get all 
crazy in there. Oh yeah, we get we get real crazy. Yeah. <laughs> nice thing about those coffees, no agenda, nothing. No, you just hang out and talk. It's yeah. fun. Yeah, it's really absolutely. fun. Um, the next uh, event that we have is same day, Saturday, December twenty first. Uh, there's going to be a memorial for the late Joe Joe McQueen. That's going to be at the Monarch. That's four fifty five Twenty Fifth Street. That'll be from two p.m. to four p.m. Uh, and it's a community event, just folks honoring um, Joe McQueen, um, local jazz saxophone legend, um, passed away this last week at a hundred years old. Joe has had quite an impact on Ogden, and he saw he saw a lot. And so the community will get together and remembering him. And then on Sunday, December twenty second, I found this interesting um, event on Facebook, so I thought I'd talk about it. This will be uh, there's a group called Ogden Coffee Talk, and it's the uh, Coffee Talk. Coffee Talk, yeah. Uh, it's the uh, Utah Asexual the Richmond. Sorry, Utah Asexual Social Club. They're having an event called Ogden Coffee Talk: Asexuality and Types of Attraction. Thought it could be a super interesting conversation, a way to kind of broaden your horizons and kind of your understanding of how other folks um, interact w- with people, and so and how they they view themselves. And so, if you're looking to learn more. Is a good opportunity. So that'll be a Hub City Coffee. That's thirty-five twenty-five Grant Avenue. In fact, the last the Dems Coffee was there yeah, this last our, week. Our last two Dems Coffees have been there. there at Hub City Coffee. So that'll be like I said, Sunday, December twenty-second, twelve p.m. to two p.m. That's asexuality and types of attraction. So yeah, be ready to learn some interesting stuff. I'm sure. All right, uh, you want to do polls? Yeah, sure. So. This week we had just the one poll that um, Sheena posted in the Junction City Forum, which if you're not in the Junction City Forum, please join. It's uh, it's our Facebook group, and that's where the polls go. There's a, There's been a lot of discussion in there over the past few weeks mm-hmm. about – we talked about tax reform in there this week. Um, I usually post questions that we're going to ask here on the show. Uh, so it's a great place to be if you want to be involved in the community. This week we asked, are you interested in hearing OPD's response to Malik Dio's episode as to why they don't – require de-escalation training when it has been proven to reduce use of force 11 people voted sure yeah and so i guess we will ask them if they want to talk about it but based on the response to malik i bet you they won't (laughs) yeah i don't know yeah but i mean people are interested in hearing what they have to say and so it's like okay opd balls in your court let's talk people want to know and then let's go pinkies up thumbs down let's go first well i only have an incomplete thumb up and it's pinkies up yeah Pinky up. I'm sorry. I forgot which show I was on. You want? Are you on another show? Yeah. What show? It's called John and Colby Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's this show. Yeah, this oh, show. This one. Oh, yeah. No, that is the show yeah, I'm on. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Pinky's up to you and me for doing a show. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Shane and Dan. You know, we can we can drag those guys all we want, but. I, I don't. Mm. I don't think they care because they don't listen to the show. Oh, well, yeah. Dan listens to the show because he edits it. No, they only listen if they're on it. But yeah, but Shane, Brutal. I don't think he listens to the show, so I don't think that is. I don't think. Yeah, that I don't think Shane likes the, the show. I don't think Shane likes the fans. Ooh, he does always insult them. Oh yeah, <laughs> you guys should hear what he says off mic. <laughs> oh man, that was excellent. Yeah. What about you? You got one? Awesome. Yeah. So my my pinkies up would be to uh, Malik Dio. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So he actually just came on as our House District 9 chair. Yeah, right. he said that last party, week. So super excited to have him on. He's you know, a great organizer, and I'm really excited to have him on the team. And he's bringing a lot of you know, insight um, to you know, different areas that we've kind of been missing in the county party. So yeah. we're all really excited. And then also, I don't know if this has been put yet, but Ogden City, HB 411, 
Oh yeah, yeah. Talking good. about it. So yeah. Another, yeah, they deserve a come up for that. Or thank you. Yeah. So John Struggler. It reminds me of Shane, and it just breaks my heart. <laughs> Man. Yeah, no, I, I was really excited to see them pass HB 411 and sort of take the next step in um, setting those renewable goals for the city. I've long felt that, you know, Ogden could be a leader in northern Utah for sustainability and a lot of other things, and we just haven't, you know, the administration hasn't quite bought fully in, and so it was awesome to see the city council take that next step. It's excellent. Yep. Um, I'm going to say, uh, do you have a thumbs down or you good? Oh, who do I want to drag? They drag whoever um, you want. Probably thumbs down to um, the state legislature. Oh, okay. uh, definitely, specifically, um, shooting down the Democrats amendment so quickly when they are, you know, for working families, but saying it's completely fine to not raise the corporate income tax. That's some BS. Yeah, so, I'm with you. Thumbs uh, down. I am with you. Um, my pinkies up this week was, I was at first I was thinking about it, I was like, oh yeah, you know, it's got to be Weaver State football team. And I was like, you know what though? No. The lady, the lady Wildcats, the volleyball team. There you go. Man, that team, they were so amazing. So unfortunately they lost this week. They were in the, um, if you call if you follow college basketball, you have like the nope. big NCAA tournament. And then uh, for the, for the teams that don't get in that, they have what's called the NIT uh, the National Invitational Tournament. Oh, and, not important uh, is what I thought. What? I thought it was not important tournament. No. The NIT Ouch. actually used to be bigger than the NCAA tournament. But uh, but anyway, so, uh, the, so the Lady Wildcats didn't win the Big Sky Championship like I talked about a few weeks ago. And so they, but they, did, they were good enough to get invited to the NIT, you know, the, or the volleyball version of the NIT. And so they had a great run in that, that tournament, man. They went to, I think they got to the Elite Eight. I think mm. is how deep they went. Dang. They beat Boise State, they beat Wyoming, and then um, they went to Tulsa. And unfortunately, they lost in five sets in Tulsa. But I was just like, man, you know what? Pinky's up to those ladies because they really played tough this year. You know, they got a lot of heartbreak. They didn't win the Big Sky Championship the way I think they should have, and and they made quite a run in the NIT or the, the volleyball version of the NIT. So Pinky, Pinky's up to those ladies. And then I was going to say, you know, thumbs down to the state legislators voting against those reasonable proposals by Democrats, mm-hmm. like the diaper tax and others. Yep. Like, what the freak? But since you said that, I was like, is there? A, do I have another thumbs down? Something that really frustrated me this week. That um, I would say one thing that has me very frustrated in general is I dislike the fact that the Republican strategy for impeachment has been to make it look partisan, as partisan as possible, because that directly benefits them. So what I mean by that is, if Republicans can just, you know, kick and scream and say that it's a witch hunt, and they can lie about the facts and whatever, and if they can convince Americans that it's just a witch hunt and that Democrats aren't actually fulfilling their constitutional duty, which is oversight of the president, if they can do that, they can sully the process and save the president, right? Because it looks like, oh, this is just partisan. This isn't actually real. And I think that's just so disingenuous. And, you know, for guys that, you know, purport to care about the Constitution yep. and, and care about the rule of law and the processes that come with that, to go out there and use as a political strategy to muddy the waters and try and make it look partisan so that it, it benefits them and the president will not actually have his power checked, it's gross. And it's not patriotic. And I don't know if you saw um, Mike Huckabee. 
Oh yeah. Oh you heard yeah. About that? Where oh, he said, I'm, "What I'm, is that horse shit?" Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Well, let's talk about that. Um, he said he said yeah. he's been appointed to be the uh, uh, yeah, campaign to... chair for Trump 2024. 2024. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> saying that I don't know if I'm that because yeah. the Democrats have been or the that Comey and the Democrats yep. have tried to ruin this first uh, term. It like doesn't count. Yep. So here, so here's his tweet. He said, "I'll be on Fox tonight, and we'll explain how Donald Trump will be eligible for a third term due to the illegal attempts by Comey, Democrats, and media attempting to oust him as POTUS. So that's why I was named to head up uh, the 2024 reelection." Then, in a tweet just before, he said, "Greatly honored to be asked to chair Donald Trump's reelection campaign for 2024. Gives me lots of time to plan. By then, the Dems will no longer be a political party in America, replaced by the new Whig party." That's yeah. something, man. That is something. Crazy. So this this is the party that cares about the Constitution, right? Yeah, and yeah. this is you know explicitly I mean, no. in the Constitution. I mean, this has got to be from the Russia playbook. Like this is what they talked about when they all went out there on the Fourth of July. Man, it's yeah. so whack. It's ridiculous. And one more thumbs down, I guess, if, since we're piling on Republicans. <laughs> Mitch McConnell, dude. Uh, Mitch McConnell yeah. goes out there. So I mean, it's pretty clear that you know. So the articles of impeachment will be voted on by the full House next week. Is that right? It passed yeah. committee next last week. week. Yeah. yeah, I think Wednesday. And so this week, yeah, they will vote on full the the full House will vote on impeachment. If that happens, the president is impeached, and they will send the case up to the Senate, which for a full trial. Yeah, for the trial, yep. and the trial will be overseen by Chief Justice John Roberts, a Republican appointee. George W. Bush, I believe, appointed Chief Justice Roberts. But man, he's and like then, one of the only sane conservatives on the court anymore, it seems. Yeah, and the senators will be the jurors in that trial. Yeah, and it's not just Mitch McConnell who said that he's not going to be impartial. Well, Mitch McConnell said he's going to work with the White House counsel. So that's my yep. beef, right? Hand in hand. Yeah, the, he said that he explicitly <laughs> says there will be no daylight between the White House legal counsel and, and himself. And I assume that means his caucus. Well, and I think just today, Lindsey Graham so, said, I have no intention of being an impartial juror. Yeah. You have no intention of being an impartial juror. That yeah. is your constitutionally yeah, mandated job, dude. And that'll get you kicked off of jury duty. Locally. Yeah, like if I said yeah. that yeah. in a court, like, no, yeah. you, don't, you don't get to be a juror, Colby. I know. There's there's something behind all that. And so I'm, I'm over Republicans who say that they care so much about the Constitution, and then they sit here and they, and they do things like this, like Mike Huckabee's going yeah. out here doing this. Well, and just all your rank-and-file Republicans, all of them know that Donald Trump is a crook and a criminal. They probably believe he did most of the stuff and more. It's, it's been proven They think he... he can win, and so they're going along with it. Yeah. That's gross, man. It's like, stop That's selling. That's super gross. Like, stop selling. Like, be, be a patriot, dude. Be a patriot. Country over party. Yeah. And, and they're not, dude. And like you said, like, they're like, nope, this is our guy, dear leader. We're going with dear leader. It's like, you're not even going to listen? Well, we've heard it all, Colby. We know. It's like, dude, <laughs> there is some very compelling testimony over there, man. And, and what they're talking about is if there are certain key people who did not testify in the yeah, House right. hearings who could potentially be called to testify right. in right. the Senate. People like John Bolton. People like Mick Mulvaney. Yeah. Right. Like you haven't heard it all. Yeah. In fact, out of one side of your mouth, you're saying, we've only heard secondhand. But out of the other side of your mouth, you're saying, we don't need to hear anything else. Yeah. yeah exactly. And so it's like, no, 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 no. And so, like, thumbs down to all of that, man. Like, be a patriot here. Like, that's some transparent shit. You're not convincing anyone. You're not even convincing yourself. Yeah. So, thumbs down to that, man. All right. Great show. Now I'm going to go to sleep angry. Tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's every Sunday night for us. <laughs> 
Thanks for coming in and filling in for uh, Dan yeah. and Shane today, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on again. Okay. Tell your friends about the podcast. Follow us on social media. That's right. We got Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Junction City Podcast. Twitter, at Junction City Pod. Instagram, Junction City Podcast. Uh, YouTube, you can search for us, Junction City Podcast, and find old videos. We haven't updated any in a while, but there are some there. We have a Patreon account. Uh, or just go to JunctionCityPodcast.com for yep. everything else. Yep. Uh, and that's right. That's our, that's our show notes. That's where everything else is. Uh, you can rate us on iTunes and uh, wherever you get your podcasts. How does that work, John? You know, you go there, you you click some stars. You don't want to insult them? Nope. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I insulted their intelligence by telling them how to rate five stars, right? Yeah, fair It's passive-aggressive. Yeah, please do that. Um, we will still, if you Yeah, rate promise us, them a sticker. Make sure you do that. that. If you rate us and send us a screenshot of that rating to junctioncitypodcast at gmail.com, we will get you a sticker once we get our act together. We will, yeah. There you go. All right. Cool. Like we say every week. Yep, all politics is local. Yeah,